1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we are um, efforting to hook up with Mr. Nate Zielinski. I know he's been doing some scouting for his sheep tag, so hopefully he didn't get out of an area where he doesn't have service. We'll keep trying to hook up. Let me bring you up to speed on a few other things we have coming up today. In the next segment, we're going to be joined by David Nickham, the Executive Director of Colorado Trout Unlimited. We're going to address a number of issues, including Trout Unlimited's take on the recent funding bills that were done by um, Parks and Wildlife and try to get their perspective on whether they feel it's a positive and it was necessary, and I think they do. I think they're supportive, but we'll find out. Also, we're going to talk about a number of uh, things going on in the uh, conservation and trout fishing world when they come on. And, of course, we're going to have Colorado Clays. J.R. Pierce is going to come on. And I know one of the things he wants to talk about is the fact that Colorado Clays is a really family, family family-friendly place, even for the people in your family that, that don't shoot. And, of course, we always have fishing tips coming up. We'll probably get Nate, or maybe we can get a hold of somebody else from Tightline Outdoors and get up to date on some of the fishing. I'll have Karen. Karen, why don't you get on the phone and see if you can grab somebody, at least give us a fishing update, and we'll talk to those guys if it's at all possible. Hopefully we'll hook up with them very soon. Uh, If you're going out, got the holiday weekend coming up. And I've kind of been harping on this. There's two things I really, really want to uh, I really want to point out. And one is that we're going to have a lot of people out uh, during this week. It's going to be, I guess it's one of the busiest travel. The TSA said it's going to be their busiest day at the airport in history. But we're going to have a lot of people out on the water, too. A lot of people got new boats, new campers. A lot of people have vacation. They rolled the 4th of July into it. And, you know, everybody's out there doing different activities. My grandkids and my daughter were out uh, camping just this last week, and they were out in the boat with me, and we did a boat ride, and we went fishing. They rented paddle boards. They were paddle boarding around the lake. They did some fishing from shore. They did some swimming. They jumped out of the boat and did some uh, swimming that way. Just And so we just have a lot of different activities. So make sure you understand everybody's out there to have fun. And try to really share the water with everybody. Um, You know, it's easy to interfere, get mad at somebody else, but they're not out there to be malicious. They're out there because they want to have fun. And sometimes they don't understand the rules. Uh, Sometimes it's better not to try to tell them that day, but make sure that an education takes place down the line so we can share, share all the water and have a great time together. Looks like we've got Will Dykstra joining us. So we'll go right to the phones and Will, I think your, your buddy there, Nate Zielinski, I think he's either got a fish on the line or he wandered off into the wilderness. Yeah, you know, you never know. It could be one or the other with him, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, c- it could be. I know he wants to talk about his sheep scouting, but I'm sure he'll tell us plenty about that next week. So I thought if we get you on, maybe you could tell us some about everybody. It's going to be a week for people to get out on the water. A lot of people it have is. taken vacations. We've got really midsummer weather. It's a little different kind of fishing. What are you seeing out there on the fishing scene? You know what? Actually, um, you guys caught me out on a trip right now. We're up at Spinney Mountain Reservoir, and I would say we are kind of in our full swing, or I say I should say transition from our, our uh, you know kind of late spring, early summer pattern into our full into our full blown summer patterns. Right now, we're catching um, at Antero Reservoir. We're catching forty to sixty rainbows a day. You know, one or two of those trips are going to be in that twenty two to twenty six range. 
Um, and a lot of them are going to be 14 to 16 to 18. But, you know, Terry, you know as well as I do, this time of year, power fishing and reaction strike fishing typically is going to be your best bet for putting fish in the boat. You know, so we're ripping spoons, we're ripping jerk baits, we're, uh, you know, fishing for pike with topwater baits, buzz baits, and spinner baits. So, you know, that's kind of where we're at with the bite, and we're expecting to have an awesome summer season. Well, you know, one of the, my favorite things about summer, and we always talk about how we catch big fish of all species in the spring and the fall, and we talk about how those big female walleyes move in and all that, and the big bass are on the nest. But one of the things that about summer fishing is it's probably the longest period where similar tactics will work over several weeks. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and with with that said, the transition even from summer to fall can be a very similar technique as well until we get that really cold weather. So, So, yeah, you're exactly right. No, go ahead, Will. So, you know, with our summer... You know, with the summer patterns, but you know, you can get into a rut and not necessarily have to stay with the fish. You know, you know, too many times, you know, people don't necessarily get a chance to fish. You know, two, three times a week or once a week, even. And in that time frame, if you're not on the water, the bite could change. In the summertime, you can pretty well go to the lake with a game plan and stick to it, and that's going to work because it worked last week. Well, you know, and that's I think that's why it's one of my favorites because. I, I travel so much. I might be fishing redfish in Louisiana one week and salmon in Alaska the next, and I don't get in my backyard enough. I know you feel sorry for me, but it's just the price I pay for what I do, okay? And, but but you're, you're right, because my grandkids will come up, and I'll go out on horse tooth during the spring and transition seasons, and I haven't been out maybe for two months on horse tooth. If I have to call you guys or call some of the other guys that fish a lake, whether it's Cherry Creek or whatever, and say, what are you seeing out there, guys? So at least I have a head start. That's another thing a guide trip can do for you too, Will. Absolutely. You know, that's something we're huge on with Tightline is the fact that we want people to be successful on the water, whether they're with us or not. So, you know, whether it's a question online or a question on social media or just getting out on a guide trip so we can teach you how to do it to be successful day in and day out so you don't have to come with us every time if you want to catch fish. No, you're absolutely right. So what do you hear in, on other places, maybe some of the warm water species? I know you, you, you're you up there fishing the pike a lot yourself, but what about the Cherry Creeks, the Chatfields, the Pueblos? What are you hearing on those lakes? You know, we are in our full-blown summer patterns there. Um, your typical live bait rigging is going to be your best bet at most of these lakes. You know, for us, we like using a bottom bouncer with a with a uh, trail car revolve hook with a you know a quarter or a half a piece of night crawler on it, and basically you're trying to locate these fish on uh, you know contours or structure adjacent to contours where those fish are going to be set up feeding. Um, so we're catching anywhere from 40 to 60, sometimes upwards of 100 walleyes a day. We're finally starting to get into that pattern where you know we can pretty much say we're going to have an 80 to 100 fish day and that's because we're getting stable water temperatures the shad have uh, pretty well hatched so the fish are set up feeding on the bait fish and uh you know it's official it's summertime so chatfield cherry creek we're definitely doing live bait rigging cherry creek uh there's still a really good uh blade bait and chicken wrap bite as well as uh you know the occasional lead core bite we're still catching fish on on crankbaits pulling lead and it's just figuring out what the fish want um, Pueblo Reservoir, uh, the walleye fishing has been phenomenal. The largemouth, spotted bass, and smallmouth fishing has all been great. The fish are pretty shallow. 
Um, and we've also done a lot of slip bobbering for panfish down there as well. And I'm so, glad you brought that up because I get asked, we talked earlier to the hatchery people how stock trout become kind of the panfish of Colorado where you take the kids out to follow the stocking report and get a bite. But there's a lot of Midwest anglers that want to catch bluegills and crappies and even yellow perch. And I think we're coming off three or four high water years where we probably have as good a population of those fish right now as we've had in a long time. We absolutely do. You know, this year actually at Pueblo Reservoir, um, I was doing a bow fishing trip for carp, and going through the shallow water there, I saw more bluegills than I've ever seen at Pueblo Reservoir. You know, found a couple different, um, I call them bluegill towns, you know, basically where all the, the spawning beds where all the bluegills are. And I'm talking two, three hundred bluegills in these areas at a time. And not, 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 we're not talking like your little tiny panfish. We're talking about, you know, hand-sized bluegills that are a lot of fun to catch. Oh, and you know what? And there's so many ways you can catch them. You mentioned a bobber. You know, people are too hesitant to fish with a bobber. They think it's something, I mean, it's one of the best ways for even an advanced angler to fish at times. And then you can always throw little jigs and little, little crankbaits. There's so many ways to catch those fish. Absolutely. And, you know, that's something that bobber fishing kind of gets a, uh, 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 you know, kind of a bad name. You know, people when they say, when we say, "We're hey, we're going to go out, we're going to slip bobber for bluegills," they're like, they picture a red and white bobber on the surface, and that's how we're fishing. And, and you know, slip bobber angling is actually really technical, and it's all about being in the zone, dialing in that depth, and that could change as your boat drifts. That could change as you fish different locations. It's not a set, you know, fifteen feet below your bobber or whatever it is you're constantly adjusting it's very labor intensive but boy does it pay off well you know another thing too it's one of the presentations that if you find the right uh shoreline contours that you can fish just as effectively from shore as you can a boat oh without a doubt without a doubt you know and it's a great way to fish too you know if you have a second rod stand, you can fish multiple rods with your live bait rod or slip bobber rod and then cast jigs with a with, with another rod, you know, just like you would when Bryce fishing with a dead stick rod. Oh, yeah, well, you know, and I, I take that approach. Even with the stalker trout, I tell people that don't fish a lot, I say if you want to catch some fish, get a second rod stamp, put some power bait out on one. Trout are going to eat it, but then throw a spinner or a small spoon because they're going to get attracted into that area. Same thing with the panfish. You get an ang- a night crawler or a piece of angle, a piece of worm or a minnow that's bleeding in the water a little bit, it attracts a lot of fish. Now you throw a little spoon or a little jig out there and you're catching and fish on both presentations. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Actually, you say that, and we, and we do a lot of lake trout fishing too, Terry, and it's the same thing. You know, when you put a little piece of sucker meat on a tube jig, a lot of times that might not be what the fish want to eat, but it brings fish in just to, you know, investigate things so you can actually catch them how you want to. No, you're absolutely right. Before I let you go, Will, um, I'm going to be um, off on assignment next week. I understand you're going to be doing the show. Yeah, I'll be in studio, Terry. It'll be a great show. We've got some great guests lined up. and looking forward to talking some toothy critters, muskies, and pike, as well as our uh, as, real, as well as our Colorado stuff as well. Any 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 special guests you want to leak out there? or You want to announce it you know later? What? I'm working on the last guest, and I want to make sure that we have him on before I say we're going to have him on. But we're going to definitely have Grossel on again um, with Savage Gear. He's got some awesome new stuff that's coming out. We're talking about preparing for ICAST, which I know you'll be at again. And uh, just going to be some awesome new stuff coming out for uh, the rest of the 2018 season. Well, and as always, you know, you, you, you fish for all species. and You're a very accomplished angler, but you concentrate a lot on those um, on those uh those big toothy predators. And, you know, uh, one last thing we've got to say is that people 
uh, we go away, and I'm going to be in Minnesota next weekend, but we go away to these places. But the pike fishing here doesn't have to take a back seat to anywhere. It really doesn't. You know, we talked about it last year. Uh, you know, people spend thousands and thousands of dollars to go to Canada to catch big pike, you know, big lake trout. And we have those fish right here. And not only do we have them, but we have them in as good a quality or in some cases better quality than what you're going to run into up there. So, you know, we definitely have some of the best pike fishing, lake trout fishing, uh, you know, that anywhere in the lower 48 has to offer. No, you're absolutely right. We're out of time, Will, but, um, you know, they'll look forward to having you do the show next week in my absence. And if people want to get a hold of you for a trip or knowledge, it's Tightline Outdoors on both TightlineOutdoors.com and Facebook, right? Exactly. All right. We'll talk to you, my friend, soon. All right. Thanks, Terry. You bet. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. 00716. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We are going right to the phones and we are pleased to be joined by the executive director of Colorado Trout Unlimited, uh, David Nickham. Good morning, David. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's been great. I hope you got to listen to some of the early segments, especially that first one with Kirk Dieter. I know how heavily involved he is with you guys, and that just a tremendous segment with him. Absolutely. I did get to hear him, and we've been so happy to have Kirk on board with the TU family. He's doing great things with Trout Magazine and really adding a lot of value to what we're about. Yeah, he really does, and he's just so genuine. I mean, I've just known him for many years. Um I want to start out by telling people a little bit about Trout Unlimited. I know we're going to talk about some other things, but I'm a huge supporter of all the affinity groups, David, whether it's Trout Unlimited or Pheasants Forever or the Elk Foundation or the Walleye Club or the Bass Clubs, because the sportsmen need, in today's political environment, sportsmen need a good voice. But people need to understand the the mission and what these different organizations do and how they're involved. I think the the guy walking the street a lot of times hears Trout Unlimited and he thinks it's a fly fishing club. And while most of your members or a huge majority of them are fly fishermen, that's not necessarily your mission, is it? No. Um, you know, certainly who we are are fishermen, and, and especially here in Colorado, the bulk of them fly fishers. But what we're really about and what we do is conservation, trying to take care of the fish. Uh, and if we do that, our belief is that the fishing is going to take care of itself. Uh, we'll make fishing better by uh, by investing in the habitat, by working on uh, making the fisheries stronger. And that means on-the-ground projects, means being a voice. You were talking earlier about how important it is for all of us that, that hunt and fish to, to get involved in ways you know, with our affinity groups to, to make sure that voice is being heard. And that's more important than ever these days. And uh, as well as trying to reach out to, to the next generation. We have some great youth ed programs with our, uh, with our chapters as well. Well, and everybody who listens to this show knows I'm virtually evangelistic about getting youth outdoors. Um, we uh, we used to have a saying, buy them a tackle box, not an Xbox. Uh, it's just, I think the value system and the bonding and memories you create with family and friends in an outdoor environment, whether it's fishing, hunting, camping, uh, there's just no, there's nothing else that parallels that experience. 
absolutely. And, and you know, as, as a parent myself, you know, I have some of my best memories with my kids are chances we've had to get out together, uh, fishing, hiking, camping. Uh, that, that time outdoors is so precious. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure that they always fully appreciate it at the time, but as they get older, I certainly know that I came to appreciate the time I spent with my father a, a lot more out on the water uh, and started to realize just how important that had been to me. I couldn't agree more. First, let's say, what are the benefits of the guy listening right now who's thought about Trout Unlimited um, but has never joined? What are the benefits both to him and what is he helping with? Sure. So uh, the the first benefit is uh, Trout Magazine. It's a quarterly magazine, and you know, these days, as you know, Terry, it's, it's getting tougher and tougher in the, in the publication business. Uh, I think Trout's one of the gold standard magazines now under Kirk Dieter's leadership. Uh, and so that that uh, is something you'll receive. You'll also receive a annual calendar. But I think most importantly, you get plugged in with a local chapter in your community. Uh, we've got 24 of them around the state of Colorado, and it's a place where you can go to hear programs about fishing uh, and, and things going on in your community, uh, to, to connect with other volunteers, to meet other people uh, to who you might go fishing with or who can give you advice on, on where they've been having success and sort of creating that, that social bond amongst anglers, you know, to, to be able to share in that resource and share what we're learning and experiencing. Uh, and at the end of the day, the most important thing is giving back. Uh, um, by being a member of T, you're giving back to that fishing resource that uh, uh, that's given so much to all of us who enjoy it. And that's a chance to either the volunteer or simply through your membership to be supporting on-the-ground projects, uh, restoration of native trout, and education programs. Now, why don't you share with us some of the projects that Colorado TU has done in the last few years around here? Sure. Uh, well, one that just wrapped up last year that we uh, had the chance to work with Parks and Wildlife, uh, Denver Water, Grand County, and others uh, uh, up in Grand County is uh, the Fraser Flats Project. Uh, it's a, on about a mile reach of the Fraser River that was very shallow and wide, uh, basically dealing with the channel from how the river flows used to be before uh, there were diversions in it. And it's uh, right up near uh, near uh, Tabernash uh, uh, by where the uh, turn off to Devil Slum Ranch is, if you're familiar with that area. Uh, and it was a public-private partnership. Uh, about half of the area was private, uh, and the other half was owned by a local water and sand district. wasn't open to public angling, but as part of this restoration project, we were able to work with uh, the other locals to improve about a mile of the stream and open up half of that for new public fishing access. Uh, so, uh, and uh, the the results were were amazing. You know, I, 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 in that movie, uh, uh, Field of Dreams, they talk about if you build it, they will come. Well, that was how it was for the fish at the Fraser Flats. Uh, uh, Parks and Wildlife went out after the project was complete and sampled and found uh, close to a fourfold increase in the numbers of brown trout that were uh, in that reach of stream. So that uh, was a real success story up there, and, and it was all about partnerships. I might even be able to catch a fish with that kind of trout. I mean, you yeah. never know. <laughs> hey, um, you speak, you talked about public private partnerships, and I know you guys do a lot of that. We've just gone through a bout of uh, legislation. Uh, it's actually a two-year process that finally ended up in some successful legislation this year. How, how is your organization's take on what we saw take place here with the funding bills for Colorado Parks and Wildlife? We were definitely supportive, thought it was uh, um, much needed. As you know, Terry, it's been since 2006 since there was a, a last fee increase on residents here in the state, and uh, we've seen uh, inflation cut into the value of that by about 30% since then. And you know, nobody obviously likes paying more for things, but at the end of the day, if you know that that investment's going to come back and, and 
benefit the things you value, it's a, it's a good investment to make. And we're not talking about a lot of money. It's about an $8 increase on most resident license types. Uh, and one thing that, uh, that I think is a great addition is they've added the ability to have a youth license for those 16, 17-year-olds, uh, folks who in the past had to start getting an adult fishing license but can get a, a discounted $8 license under the new bill. So uh, hopefully that will give some encouragement to our young people to, uh, uh, to, to stay involved as they transition from having the free license as a kid to, to towards adulthood. But uh, uh, it, it's, it's much needed, and it's going to go into a lot of key things. Uh, um, we were talking about access on the Fraser Flats. You know, park, Parks and Wildlife provides a lot of access through leases, and the reality is they need funding to be able to continue to renew those and provide those for us if we're going to keep places to fish. Uh, they've got uh, a lot of reservoirs for those who like to fish on flat water. Uh, I was looking through uh, their, their list of some of the high-risk reservoirs that need maintenance and that without it are going to have to, to ultimately be uh, drained down uh, and, and closed. And it's, it's some pretty big names. Uh, Alberta Park uh, down in the San Luis Valley, uh, Haviland Lake near Durango, Sylvan Lake over by Eagle, Terriol Reservoir uh, are all high-risk and the kinds of places that if we don't invest in them, we're not going to have the chance to fish them. Well, the number there's two reasons why people don't get into the outdoors. One is lack of knowing how to get started and organizations like yours, this radio show, the people in the industry, uh, Parks and Wildlife. We try to do educational things all the time, Kirk Dieter with his articles, to help give them the knowledge. But the second and probably the most limiting factor is access to uh, places to go to fish or camp or hunt um, with urbanization and people spreading and growing it's been tougher and it's just it's just really really necessary um to to make sure we preserve those resources you know another another big factor in this is the hatchery systems and i want to talk about that but i think i'm going to put you on hold i'd like to talk about what this bill has meant for our hatchery systems and then also maybe get a few tips on where people could head out fishing in the next few days with this holiday coming up is that okay with you That sounds great. I'm going to put you on hold, and we'll come back to you in just a few minutes. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right back to the phones. We're talking to David Nickham, the executive director of Colorado's Trout Unlimited. And, uh, David, when we left, we had talked about the necessary increases that they needed and how important it was to maintain access for our uh, our outdoor people with parks and wildlife. And I agree with you. I think it was, it was past due. I don't like paying anymore either, but I don't want to give up access and the ability for not only myself to enjoy the outdoors, but to maintain it as a legacy for my children and grandchildren. Another thing that they really were in need of upgrading were the hatcheries. What's your take on that? Uh, you know, we've been blessed with a lot of great wild trout fisheries in Colorado, but the reality is we've got a lot of lakes, reservoirs, and rivers uh, where uh, wild trout aren't going to be successful reproducing, and, and we rely on those hatcheries to, to be able to have fishing there. So it's it's much needed to, to you know, it's, it's like any infrastructure. If you if you just don't invest in it over time, it uh, it is going to wear down, and it's not going to serve you well. And as anglers, uh, we need to invest back in those hatchery systems so they can continue to serve us well and, and give us quality fishing, whether it's high lakes, big reservoirs, or stocking rainbows in places like the Arkansas River. Well, I think people don't necessarily understand t- 
too, then we talked about, we had the hatchery people on the first hour. For people that missed it, I think sometimes people don't understand. It's not just the put-and-take fishery that I call the panfish of Colorado coming from the Midwest. We had lots of bluegills and crappies. We have those here, but they cycle, and they're not as extensive as they are there. But you can take a kid or a family out, just follow the stocking report, and there's a million ways you can catch those trout, and you get the experience of catching a fish and taking one home and eating it and because they're a put-and-take. But they also... Um, when we're talking to the hatchery people, whether it's the the recovery of the greenback trout or whether it's uh, breeding uh, crosses with this hoffer strain so that we can get self-producing whirling disease fish into some of these rivers, all those are part of their mission. Absolutely. We've we've had a great chance to to work with Parks and Wildlife. For example, you mentioned greenbacks uh, on some of the restoration work there. And if it weren't for the uh, folks down at the Mount Chavano Hatchery by uh, Salida, that's where we're rearing those fish that can go out and help uh, jumpstart those new populations. Yeah, and, there, and there, you know, we're starting to see angling opportunities. You know, for a while, we thought we had recovered the greenback, and we found out they weren't too true. And then we've now seemed to have a very good strain of greenbacks. And not only are we recovering a fish that may have been lost forever, but there's already some angling opportunities, aren't there? Absolutely. The, uh, you know, we're, we're hoping to see more of them in the next couple of years, but right now, uh, for folks who want to catch, uh, catch a greenback, uh, the best opportunity is to go up to Zimmerman Lake, uh, up the uh, Poudre Canyon. Uh, it's about a one-mile hike or so. Uh, I, I think you've been up there, Terry, uh, uh, but uh, uh, it's absolutely beautiful. And uh, like a lot of the mountain lakes, the fishing sometimes is on, sometimes it's not, but it's, uh, you're not going to have a bad day in that kind of a setting for sure. Oh, it's, it's just gorgeous up there, and I've been up there a few times, and I almost always see a moose. You got to be a little careful of that. Uh, but it's just, it's just, it's truly pristine. We get to the top of Cameron Pass, and that's where it really is. And you're already at pretty high elevation. So if you're going to make that hike, it's only like you said about a mile. But it will tax you at elevation. I, I did a, a winter uh, foray one time at the top of that pass to check uh, whether there was ice or not on uh, Joe Wright, which is just down below Zimmerman. And I walked out from my car and, of course, had my snow gear on and things. And I realized the snow was quite a bit deeper than I thought. But I still walked back down. And on the way back in that, you know, thigh-deep snow, I thought I was just going to lay down and die there because I ran out of breath so quick. But so be in shape and be aware of uh, things like lightning, too. That's very dangerous in Colorado. But it is beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and this year, more than, than ever, it's probably important to be thinking about getting a little bit higher, uh, you know, and knowing how to be able to take advantage of those areas, because uh, with the drought conditions we've got, uh, a lot of our larger rivers are going to be having pretty high temperatures and uh, low flows, and it's going to uh, push the uh, those of us who, at least you know, if you're looking at uh, having to release your fish uh, by regulation or wanting to do it, because that's uh, your preference, uh, you know, when you start getting those water temperatures in the upper 60s, it's it's tough, and time to start looking elsewhere. And we've been hearing that message from almost everybody we've had on that uh, the Arkansas is in pretty good shape because they have a controlled flow. Some of the tailwaters are holding up, but you know the Platte, the the Big Thompson down lower, even because it's got the Pooter. Some of these rivers, the temperatures are getting quite warm, and you know at the very least take a thermometer with you. And if the if the water is getting too warm, fish early, and then maybe just do some exploring and learn the habits of the fish and watch and learn what's going on in the river. And it's not a good idea. Maybe we want to, and we may see some mandatory closures if it gets warm enough. I know over by the Yampa and some of those areas they're talking about it. So if you were, we got a holiday weekend. I guess the last thing I got for you, we're coming up 
a lot of people are going out and a lot of people are going to have extra days off or they combine some vacation time. Where are some of the places you would recommend maybe to go and do a little fishing the next few days? Yeah, I, I was just up on the Arkansas, and uh, and it, it's fishing well. Uh, Yellow Sally's golden stoneflies are starting to, to pick up, and uh, uh, so uh, yeah, I know a lot of folks up there are using you know sort of large dry flies with the dropper. Um, I was doing a nymph rig and having a lot of luck with Prince Nymph trailing the uh, pheasant tailor hares here, um, but. As you said, it's got a great flow program, and that that really is helping keep the fishing solid through there. Uh, so that's one good spot. And, and the Arkansas has so much public access from up at the top in Leadville on down through the canyons uh, below Salida. Um, there's tons of opportunities for public access all along there. And uh, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I would suggest if folks haven't fished at the uh, Rocky Mountain National Park, it's one of my favorite places to fish, and it's some place where if you're willing to, to uh, earn your fishing a little bit, you know, willing to walk in a mile or two, or or, or even more in some cases, uh, depending on your, your fitness and how much you're willing to do, you can really get some uh, fantastic fishing. Uh, um, uh, you know, a chance to fish for for dry flies with dry flies, uh, you know, parachute Adams, elk hair caddis. Uh, you know, the fish are willing to rise to that kind of thing, fishing whether you're fishing pockets or uh, some of the high mountain lakes. Uh, so it's a lot of fun up there, and if you haven't fished it, it's a, it's a good place to hit. Uh, but the more you're willing to walk, the more you're going to be able to escape the holiday crowd, that's for sure. And I hate to mention him twice in one show, but Steve Schweitzer has written a great book about Rocky Mountain National Park called The Fly Fisherman's Guide to Rocky Mountain National Park. That's fantastic. That's it's, it's take a you great to those. resource. It really is. But Steve is already full of himself enough. We don't have to. He's already texted me because we mentioned his name on the show once. And then Kirk Dieter kind of gets on him because Steve's an Ohio State fan and Kirk's a Michigan guy. So we got to keep him in check. But no, and all, all kidding aside, Steve's books are fantastic. That one and the Indian Peaks Wilderness one. If you want to do some high mountain fishing, those books are just incredible, incredible resources. I have to give him credit. He really, the photography in those books is fantastic. But just as a guide, they are. And I love Rocky Mountain National Park. One last thing you could do, too, is uh, you could do some uh, lake fishing. Whether it's for trout or warm water species, they're not going to get a strained as some of the river fish. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you are a fly fisher and haven't tried fly fishing for some of the warm water species, it's a great chance to do that. There's uh, some, some excellent opportunities here in Colorado uh, all along the Front Range. All right. Uh, David, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us. Real quick, if people want more information on TU... Uh, if they want more information uh, or to get involved, coloradotu.org is our website. Uh, check it out, coloradotu.org. All right. Thank you, David. Thank you, Terry. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going right to the phones and joining us from Colorado Clays is J.R. Pierce. Good morning, J.R. Good morning, Terry. Hey, I, I've been looking at your pictures, and i got a fishing tip for you. Go ahead. Well, I think you should start wearing a cap, because it doesn't look like there's much protection on top of your head. No, Terry, that hurts. Uh, I realize that. I'll put it on. i got a couple things to say about that, though. First, I think everyone likes to pick on the guy holding the big fish. So let's get that out of the way. And secondly... You know, I think I'm going to blame some of that hair loss on having to deal with certain radio talk show hosts, and I'll leave it at that. Well, you shouldn't listen to those other guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know what? It's been it's been pretty warm out lately, and uh, if I'm a shooter, I'm coming out to Colorado Clays, and it gets hot, 
do I, is there a way for me to take a break from the heat? Or what if I bring somebody out who um, isn't a shooter and they just want to hang out? Can they get out of the heat a little bit? Well, you know, Terry, that is actually a good point I think I can um, talk about here. First, though, I want to say I wish everybody a a happy fourth on Wednesday coming up here. And I want to let them know that uh, here at Colorado Clays, we've decided to go ahead and open on the 4th of July from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. so that our customers can enjoy some shooting on that great holiday. So I want to make sure I didn't forget that. But anyway, back to that, Terry, you're right. At Colorado Clays, uh, we can accommodate, of course, everyone from the beginning shooter to recreational shooters, hunters, even professionals, including law enforcement and military. And by the way, thanks again to all of you for your service. We appreciate it. And then, of course, Colorado Clays is the place to go for any kind of group outing that includes shooting. Um, and examples of that would be things we do every day here, friends and family, bachelor, bachelorette parties, family reunion, church group, small business get-togethers, corporate events, fundraisers, and so on. And these groups can range in size from a couple people to several hundred. And at Colorado Clays, of course, we have the facility and the staff to make every outing a great one. But some things that people may not realize, as you just touched on, Terry, is that Colorado Clays offers more than just the shooting. Um, We do have a beautiful and, mind you, air-conditioned clubhouse with television, Wi-Fi, and seating for dozens of people. Uh, We have a covered porch area. It's in front of the clubhouse with picnic tables for our customers to enjoy, relax, eat lunch, socialize, whatever they may feel like doing. Uh, We have covered pavilions throughout the property with picnic tables and water stations at many of them, so you can take a break or, like you said, escape that heat, uh, hang out with your friends, and do whatever you want while you're enjoying your Colorado Clays experience. And then also, Terry, for those young ones that, um, you know, maybe aren't shooting yet but would enjoy playing while they're at Colorado Clays, we have a very nice fenced playground area to keep those little guys busy. And another thing, too, that's worth noting, our skeet fields and our sporting clays course are nestled in a a mature cottonwood creek bottom, so you're actually in the shade much of the time you're shooting down on those courses. So there's a lot of ways to beat the heat here at Colorado Clays. No, there really is, and it is a beautiful setting. You know, people will be driving out there. And they won't realize because you're getting out into a little bit of farmland and prairie until all of a sudden you turn off in there and you've got that river bottom area. And it really is that takes you away from that. You know, another thing about Colorado Clays, uh, you're close to town. You're only like a 20-minute drive, but you feel like you're out somewhere well away from town. And you get the camaraderie of other shooters and people out there. And and they even get to talk to friendly people like uh, Doug and, and Corey. Exactly, Terry. And thanks for mentioning that. But, no, and you're right, Terry. Uh, we're a hop and a skip from anywhere in the metro area, um, but we are in just this beautiful natural setting. You might as well be a million miles away. So it's it's got all the things you're looking for, uh, close to town, um, away from the hustle bustle, and then, of course, you know, Colorado's premier public shooting facility. So, um, you know, we've got opportunities here for everyone, too. We're open to the public and, of course, available to everyone and open year-round for our customers' convenience. So 
Um, I might just take one minute, too, Terry, to let them know we offer rifle, pistol, and shotgun ranges, which are all the way um, all handicap accessible. Excuse me. Our rifle pistol facility is a state-of-the-art NRA-approved design with 10 pistol bays, 10 rifle bays. Uh, all of our shooting lanes have individual stalls, benches with rubber mats, covered shooting area, and even radiant heat for when it cools down. Uh, those pistol bays have a target return system, 1 to 25 yards with a push of a switch. Uh, the, the rifle lanes, are, they have adjustable seats and feature a high-tech video system, uh, camera on your target and monitoring your bay. So you can do real-time sight-in. And then, of course, our shotgun access includes a training trap with a short yardage straightaway for beginners and lessons, seven ATA trap ranges, two NSSA skeet fields, um, with wobble trap overlays and, of course, our spectacular 15-station sporting clays course. So we really, really have something for everyone, Terry. Yeah, real quick, we got about two minutes left. I want to mention something, too. Dove season is not very far away. And I see so many people, they'll take their shotgun out, maybe shoot a couple clays real quick to make sure it's functioning, and then they use doves as almost a warm-up, and it becomes frustrating. I mean, doves were created, obviously, by the ammunition makers to go through boxes of shells. But you can eliminate some of that by getting out. You should be practicing all the time, especially now. Yeah, Terry. And aside from just the fun that it is to come to Colorado Clays and you know enjoy an afternoon of shooting whatever your game might be, uh, if you are a hunter... Um, there's no such thing as starting too early. And at Colorado Clays, we do have probably every conceivable um, bird flush, um, bird presentation with clay targets. And I think we talked about this last year, Terry. These clay targets um, are about the same size as the area you're aiming at on a dove. So you are not going to get a better practice than coming out to Colorado Clays. Well, and the other thing, too, is if you don't go shoot a few weeks before and on a semi-regular basis, a lot of people put that gun away at the end of either uh, Upland Game or Waterfall, and all of a sudden, it's got a malfunction. And you don't want to get out on your first hunting trip to find out your gun's not working. I totally agree. And, yeah, putting a few rounds through the gun, uh, getting yourself refamiliarized with it. And, Terry, there's something else that people uh, don't consider and that's available out here. Um, it's a lot different hunting in, or you know, shooting in your hunting clothes than in a T-shirt. So that last week before season, uh, put on your vest, put on the clothes you're going to be hunting in, come out and get used to mounting your gun and uh, taking some shots in the gear you'll be wearing. makes a big difference. I couldn't agree more. It really, really does. And I just want to mention before I let you go that Corey has warned me that when people come out there to shoot, they shouldn't talk to you and Doug because all you guys do is talk fishing and then they don't get any done. <laughs> She's right, Terry, and it's going to happen again, so come look me up. All right, put a cap on. boy. All right. Thanks, Terry. You bet. J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clays. Great people. You can find them at coloradoclays.com. That's coloradoclays.com. There's a video. It gives you a virtual tour of the facility. Not only is it a great facility, but they're just super, super wonderful, great, great people. Now, a few housekeeping things before we wrap up the show. As uh, if you were listening earlier when we had Will Dykstra on, you'll know that I'm going to be gone on assignment in northern Minnesota next weekend. So Will is going to do the show. And I'll tell you what, when Will fills in, he always has some incredible guests on, uh, usually 
people oriented towards pike and muskie fishing because Will, that's what Will specializes in. So I'm sure he's going to be talking about some big baits and some gear for chasing those big toothy predators next week. So you don't want to miss that. And I'm sure we'll get a lot of local fishing updates because the summer, the summer bite, what we call the summer peak is in full swing right now. You don't catch as many big fish this time of the year as far as like the walleyes and things, but you're going to catch a ton. You can just really have fun and catch fish. So kind of keep track of that and, uh, you know, go out and enjoy that. We also got the holiday weekend. First of all, I want everybody to have a great 4th of July and to be safe and to have a lot of fun. And remember what that uh, what that means, that we have a great uh, country we live in with a constitution and our independence here better than any country in the world. And let's not forget to uh, give some thought to that. No matter what your political leaning, give some thought to the fact that you can have that leaning by being here, that we, we honor everybody and that we, uh, we give free freedom for people to express themselves and and we're not oppressed and we have the ability to go outside and do some shooting do some hunting do some fishing a lot of countries around the world you couldn't enjoy those things so think about that on the 4th of July but also be very careful um, we have extreme extreme fire danger out there and I'm talking about a discarded cigarette a, a campfire a motorized vehicle that doesn't have spark retardant a, a recreational shooter that's in the wrong area where we get a grass fire I mean it, we have to be so, so careful right now. We've got several fires burning in the state. We want to make sure that we get those under control and hope for some rain. Uh, and then be be considerate when you're out there. People are going to be out there doing different activities. Some people are going to be riding a jet ski. Some are going to be wakeboarding. Some will be water skiing. Some just want a boat ride. There's going to be fishermen out there and all kinds of different watercraft and kayaks and canoes and high-powered fishing boats and little small fishing boats. Be aware and remember, you got to keep, whether you're a paddleboard or a boat or a, a kayak, you have to give another vehicle 150 feet leeway and, whether, when this, and you have to give any fishermen on shore in about 150 feet. Let's share the water. Just be considerate and fishermen zooming up and down the lake. Just remember that guy out there that's pulling his kids in a tube is out there to have fun just like you are and that paddleboarder may not be as aware of the regulations. So you know, be a little lenient, but make sure you just interact properly, and 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 we all can have a great time with no incidents. And be careful of operating a boat under the influence. Operation Dry Water is going on; they will be looking for that. So you should be shouldn't anyway, but just be super super careful. Join us uh, next week and every week uh, towards the end of the month. We're going to go back to our nine to eleven slot. We'll still be at um, ten to twelve next week on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on one hundred four three The Fan. From the lakes of Minnesota 